Hi, this is Anita Spitlow. I'm at QSO VSO's 50th anniversary, and John Piper walked in the door, and I knew he had served in Mozambique because he has this crazy wild Mozambique antique T-shirt on. Antique in that it's 25 years old. Yeah. That's antique yeah. <laughs> for T-shirts. How are you, John? I'm very well, thank you. Where do you live now? I live in Ottawa, okay. but uh, you know, I grew up in Saskatchewan. And were you recruited from Saskatchewan? I was recruited in Saskatchewan back in the days when QSO was a university-based organization, yeah. What were you studying there? I was, I'd finished, I was an economist, but I'd worked for a better part of a decade in northern Saskatchewan with uh, native fishermen's co-ops, uh, doing management training and logistical support, and uh, I'd been doing construction in the north too. So kind of a well-rounded guy with mm -hmm. an idea for, with a, a, uh, education in economics. Yeah. yeah. What did you get recruited I for? I was recruited to Mozambique by a friend who was my predecessor in the same job. I was working with the city of Maputo on a, uh, with, with, low, with construction co-ops who were implementing a low-cost sanitation project. Oh. And it being managed by CUSA. CUSA had been involved uh, sending cooperants to work on urbanization around Maputo for 10 years. You know, Barry Pinsky was there doing a major reorganization of the, uh, of the bureaus of Maputo. I followed Don Kosick, another person from Saskatchewan. Oh, I've met and, him. Yeah, Don is brilliant. He's, a, he's an eternal optimist and a, a yes. visionary. I'm very different. I'm, I'm much more of a results-based pragmatist. So, you know, I'm very complimentary to Don and, you know, lots of the things that he started, I was able to, to take on and, and, you know, carry on and, and uh, you know, solidify. Yes. So, you're there. Um, this is a very yeah. unusual time to be in Mozambique. What's happening politically? Oh, Mozambique in 1984 was uh, in the midst of a long civil war mm -hmm. and a long drought and subsequent famine. And when I arrived, Don greeted me and in fact told me that things could not get worse. Mm. But for the time that we were there, things did get steadily worse. And the last year that we were there, there was a, an IMF economic restructuring program. So things got even worse still. So it was a very bleak time. And in 19, uh, I mean, Mozambique then was a socialist state. The president was uh, Samara Michel, who was uh, killed in a tragic plane crash in 1986 or 1987 before we left. Things did pick up after we left when there was finally a, uh, a peace treaty signed with South Africa, mm -hmm. which stopped the South African support for the ongoing civil war. And in fact, Mozambique in the subsequent years became a model of, of peace, reconciliation, and development in, in Southern Africa. But still, yeah, but it was a remarkable time to be there. Yeah. What was most remarkable was, even though the conditions were absolutely abysmal, uh, one third of the population was homeless. Uh, nobody had food for more than uh, 20 days in the month. You know, despite those terrible conditions, there was an incredible amount of optimism. People would still sing and dance, and be happy, and look forwards to a brighter future. So, and we were felt we, we were called uh, cooperants, international cooperants, and we were incredibly welcomed, even though we lived a life of, of you know, total luxury compared to the life of the, the Mozambicans that we worked with. Wow. So as an economist, yeah. you've heard of the happiness index and how 
so many people. I don't think this really applies in this situation. Tell I mean, me the, the Mozambicans had no reason to be happy. The conditions were absolutely miserable, but uh, but you said they, they were are. Happy. They were incredibly resilient and yes, optimistic. That's happiness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In a strange way, in a strange that is. Way, yes. yes, yeah. So you went and you did this service there. Um, were you working with groups of people, or uh, you were working I'll, with adults? I'll give right? a really quick summary. I mean, yes. everywhere in the third world still today needs latrines. This is a big okay. thing. You know, there's no no sewer, no water. People need latrines. Mm. Every country has its own latrine solution, and Mozambique had its Mozambican latrine. It was a designed by a Swedish architect called Bjorn Brandberg. It was a brilliant uh, basic technology uh, product. It was a uh, concrete slab, unreinforced concrete, could be built of local materials in, without uh, expensive tools, with fairly uh, basic skills. It was strong, it was cheap, it was easily transportable, it was uh, easily built and uh, easily self-cleaning, etc. It was a, a good product. The issue was how that product was to be delivered to the, the, the market, to the, to the population, whether it should be done by the state, whether it should be done by private industry, or whether it should be done, in our case, by co-ops. And what CUSO was doing was supporting a model that was backed by the uh, Maputo City Council, which was to deliver basic sanitation through construction co-ops. So what Don and then I did was work with, set up and work with a dozen construction co-ops in the periphery of Maputo. And those construction co-ops were manufacturing and marketing concrete machine slabs in a sustainable model. And remarkably, <coughs> you know, that, that was 1984, this is now 2011. Have you so been however many years, 20, 25 years, 25 years passed, they've now produced over half a million latrine slabs. Wow. They, they, they are manufactured and sold throughout Mozambique, throughout the country. They've survived war, economic restructuring, and so on. Many of the same people are still building those latrine slabs. They've, uh, they have the management skills that they need to stay in business. And uh, they continue to provide basic sanitation. So, you know, it was a, a successful product and a, a successful delivery mechanism. So you feel like all these years later yeah. that that assignment felt positive yeah, to you? Yeah, it was good. It was, for me, I mean, it, it was very formative. It, you know, it was good for me. It was a, I, I learned a lot when I was in Mozambique. I obviously learned a language, which served me well, and that by learning Portuguese, I was subsequently recruited by the United Nations to work in East Timor. Uh, I learned management skills, which led to me being hired by the city of Ottawa to manage public housing in Ottawa for a decade. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, it's good for me in terms of my career. I was also, uh, you know, there with my two young children, my oh. wife and two young children. Right. So it's very much a, uh, you know, part of our, our family's, you know, life experience. And I worked with a hundred people in the biros of Maputo, most of whom remained my friends for a long, long time. And in fact, after I left Mozambique, after, after three years, suddenly you leave behind your heart there. And you know, my heart suddenly uh, was stuck in Mozambique for, for 25 years. In fact, until I did go back for the first time, was able to meet some of my old friends, find them, and find out that while many were dead from, from AIDS, from heart 
conditions, etc. But uh, others were, were surviving and doing well, and was, you know we were happy to see each other. So for me, I mean, the CUSO experience was extremely valuable, and uh, you know certainly a major part of my life. So on behalf of us as CUSO VSO, thank you for your, and welcome. your family yep. for your time, and I'm so glad that it continued yeah. on to contribute to your career, and then you got to see Mozambique again. Okay. Thank you.